Hello there. And welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. So uh, one of the previous episodes that I did on the podcast was talking about Marianne. We're talking about what we think will be nominated at the Oscars. And now we're going to be talking about what we want to be nominated at the Oscars. Like if we were the Academy, like what would we want to be nominated and win? So for that, of course, I have Marianne back, but I also have somebody new on the podcast. Brian, how are you doing, Brian? I'm doing really good. Excited to be here. Excited to debate, talk, and you know, segue to different topics as a podcast does. <laughs> yes, yes. I am uh, very excited to have you on. I'm always excited to have new people on the podcast. And uh, Marianne, hello again. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Awesome. Uh, so super excited to be talking about this because, frankly, the awards narrative, I enjoyed many of the films that are getting nominated, but there are some specific films or performances that are in the awards narrative where I'm like, but does that really deserve to be nominated? Now, granted, I have not seen every movie of – all of us, obviously, if we have not seen every movie of 2022 – uh, but we're going to be sharing what we want to be nominated based on what we've seen. So, unfortunately, I still have not seen After Sun. So, for all you Paul Mescal fans out there, I will not be mentioning Paul Mescal. I want to put him on here because I'm sure he's great, but I haven't seen the movie, so I can't judge his performance and compare it to the other picks that actually did. So, and, you know, that's obviously the case for all of us. So... We're going to start, we're going to follow Academy rules. And just like with Marianne and I, the last Oscars podcast, we're going to follow Academy rules and do the main uh, categories, uh, 10 best picture picks and then five for director and the actors. So Brian, since you're new, why don't you go first and share with us what you want to be nominated for best picture? Now, I didn't watch the Golden Globe, so I don't know if this was nominated for anything. But honestly, I'm going to say this. The Batman. Matt Reeves is the Batman. Forget that it's a comic book film. Forget any of this. It's just a plain, damn good movie. Damn fine, good movie. Even though it was under, people would say, oh, it's under three hours long. So what? How long should a movie be? As long as it's good. And I thought it was good. Uh, I thought... Um, Robert Pattinson, who's come a long way from the Twilight films, he really played that role to a T. We're, we're getting into an area of Batman that we never did. A lot of emotional conflict there. It's a good story. I thought it was thought-provoking. But again, even though it's you know a comic book film and Academy tends to look down upon that, I thought it was just a very great movie. Everything about it was good set design i just i thought it was one of the few and no movie is ever perfect but i kind of thought that was one of the few near perfect movies of last year i gotta say that uh, light spoilers uh spoilers i guess for my list but i'm so happy you brought up the batman because i'm getting really ticked off that the batman is basically only getting acknowledged for like makeup and visual effects because Michael Giacchino's score is literally the best score of any movie this year. And oh we've my gone, gosh. We've got some yeah. great scores this year, but Michael, what Michael Giacchino did is like on a whole nother level. And I'm so 
upset that he's not getting nominated anywhere. Agreed. Totally agree with that. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, a visual effects that reminds me of when The Dark Knight got nominated for visual effects. I'm like, most of the effects in the film were practical. I mean, there was. But I like that. I like that. Yeah. The, I like that the visual effects brands or the Oscars acknowledged like practical effects. You know, back in 2008 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it honestly, and uh, our friend Aaron talks about this on his podcast when you take a look at the recent marvel films they're going with whoever is the cheapest effects house or whoever could do what they want to do cheaply and it sort of shows in the final act during the battles um here i couldn't pick apart what was cgi what was practical everything was seamlessly integrated they use that virtual uh, backdrop that they call it now i i forgot um, what it was called what they developed it for the mandalorian yeah, but they used a lot of that virtual backdrop where, you know, it it's you know 3D and people could actually see what's going on as opposed to a green screen in the back of them. I mean, so I couldn't tell. It everything was just integrated perfectly uh and it just it made the story more enveloping, the visual style of the film, sound design, but again, it's based on a comic book hero, which shouldn't matter anymore. It should not matter. A movie is a movie. Whether it's a big film about a comic book hero or a small film about a family struggling through horrible times in society, you know, it a, a, a good movie is a good movie, and that's how it should be judged. Not if it's a comic book film, big budget, small budget, whatever. Well, I'm very happy that you uh, mentioned the Batman, uh, but. We'll get into like all the specific films later, but right now, uh, we'll just let's just share like uh, all of our picks. So, uh, Brian, what are your other uh, nine picks? Nine pi- Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's right. Nine picks. The Northman. Nope. Smile. Tar. How many do I have so far? Uh, that's five. Five? Okay. Violent Night, just for the hell of it. <laughs> what, what? Wait, wait, wait. What? Wait. Smile and Violent Night. I understand the Northman and Nope. Okay, okay. I'll I'll we'll debate that later. But okay, so Violent Night. <laughs> yeah, Violent Night. <laughs> Why not? Hell um, yeah, Brian. <laughs> what? I said hell yeah. <laughs> the whale, oh, everything everywhere all at once. The whale, uh, Top Gun Maverick, Avatar, I don't know what number I'm on. And uh oh, the menu. Okay, so the- you mentioned 11 films. Oh my god, you you should have stopped me. <laughs> so I didn't say the Fablemans. I got to take something off there then, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, you got to take. Uh, you, yeah, you got to take two off actually, if you want to. All right, I'll, I'll take Violent Night and Smile off. Okay, the Fablemans. Did I already say Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, you did. That's ten. Okay, so all read right. them back, Colton. What is ten? Are maybe that'll help. You can decide if that's your final answer, Brian. <laughs> okay, so I'll read back the ten that Brian said. So Avatar, Batman. Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, The Menu, The Northmen, Nope, <laughs> Tar, Top Gun, The Whale. Okay, yeah. That's about right. All right, so Marianne, <laughs> Lau, why don't you go ahead and share your top ten picks, and then I'll share mine. Okay. Um, mine are in alphabetical order, so they're not in order of my preference, just alphabetical. So 
Um, the Banshees of Inisherin, number one. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, the Fablemans. Um, the Inspection. The Menu. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, because I don't care. <laughs> I enjoyed it a, a lot. Uh, number seven is Till. Number eight, Top Gun Maverick. The Whale. And last, The Woman King. Can I just say, can I just say, I'm oh, sorry, Brian. Uh, no, really fine. quickly, uh, just really quickly, I just want to say, Marianne, Puss in Boots, Hell yes. I am so happy that you mentioned that masterpiece of a movie. And you gave oh me grief gosh. about Violent Night. <laughs> I haven't you didn't seen like Violent, Violent Night, Night, right? <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen Violent Night, but I have a few friends who did and they told me it was terrible. Oh no. I thought you had seen it. I must be thinking of somebody else, sorry. <laughs> terrible in a good way. I mean, come on. It's just like watching Batman and Robin. Joel Schumacher's. It's a horrible movie, but come on, you gotta laugh at Schwarzenegger saying, everybody chill! <laughs> come on, Violet Knight is not nearly as bad as Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I don't know about Violet Knight, but I'm very happy that you mentioned Puss in Boots. I am very, very happy. I've been trying to get my friends to see that movie, and they're all like, oh, it just looks like a dumb kids movie. It is not a dumb kids movie. It is it's a not. great kids movie. Yeah, I mean, it's not even necessarily just for kids either, because there's a lot of, like, heavy themes in that movie. It's like, oh, man, I think this would kind of freak some kids out, maybe. <laughs> okay, not to deviate too much here, but I think this might be the first year in a long time where a Disney animated film or a Disney Pixar film is not going to win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Yeah, it's probably going to go to Pinocchio. And, and we're talking about the Guillermo del Toro version, not the yes. Robert Zemeckis, whatever that is. Right, no, right. not the garbage one, the actual good one. <laughs> not the one where they drink, where they misbehave and drink root beer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what, just what were they? Just obviously they didn't try. Like Robert Zemeckis at this point, he doesn't. I He, he made such good movies back in the 80s. And now, like, he's just. Uh, he's I, I I said this about you too on Facebook, and when they announced their their new album, I'm like, when you are an artist and you have absolutely nothing to say anymore, it's time to pack it in. I think the last time Zemeckis had something to say was you know, Flight. After that, it's like I don't know. Actually, I did like um, Allied. I did kind of like Allied, but everything else. You know, since that time, I'm, I'm. It's like, come on, Bobby. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, I love, I love these like older movies, but and Contact is so like great. But yeah, yeah, he's just what he is now is just like not good. Okay, come on, Bobby Z, get it together. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you also mentioned Marianne, the menu, uh, the inspection, and Till. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I have still have not seen the inspection yet, which I do want to. I heard Jeremy Pope is fantastic in it, but yeah. I haven't seen it. I assume that because you put it in your top 10, you thought that it was like really like that good. So it was kind of funny when I was making my list before this. I actually had a little bit of trouble picking my top 10 because aside from everything, everywhere, all at once, really, a lot of the movies this year I liked a lot or, or loved, but there wasn't really any movie that I was like, 
this is amazing. This is my favorite thing. I want to see this, you know, a bazillion more times, which that's usually like the first thing that I'm looking for when I'm picking my top 10, like as it probably should be. Um, so aside from everything everywhere, I kind of had to like consider some other factors when I made the rest of the top 10. So I considered what the message was, how well the message was conveyed, you know, the technical aspects of it, of course, and then just enjoyability. So um, the inspection was it had a really important message. The acting was very good in it. And it's just it was enjoyable. And it the message wasn't like so pessimistic that it's like, oh, well, that's an important message, but I'm kind of depressed now and I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> it was good enough and positive enough that it's worth watching again. So that's why I put it on the list. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, no, I, I understand that. I understand that for sure. Uh, so we are going to discuss all of our picks, which I have written down, but I'm just going to quickly share my personal 10 favorite. Uh, well, okay. These aren't necessarily my favorite movies of the year, but these are the 10 movies that I saw that I felt were the most thematically appropriate to put in best picture. So my 10, The Banshees of Inisherin, The Batman, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Decision to Leave, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Puss in Boots The Last Swish, RRR, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and Morbius. It's Morbin time! <laughs> Oh, you're definitely going to have to explain that one. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My last pick is actually uh, Women Talking. Need to see that. Same. Definitely need to see that. Same. What, I'm, what we're going to do now is we're going to go through each – we're going to share our picks for each category, and then we're going to go through the ones that we picked, so, like, through a majority vote. So, like, uh, Brian and I uh, said the Batman – so Batman is going to be moving forward. So uh, Brian, you were the only one that thought that uh, Avatar. You were the only one that said that Avatar is worthy of being nominated for Best Picture. Uh, does that mean that you like really think that deserves to be nominated for Best Picture, or like did you just like like please explain why you put Avatar in there? Okay, yeah, um, I mean certainly. And yes, considering I am the only one, surprisingly, I think everybody tends to count James Cameron out every single time. And James Cameron has been right about every single one of his movies every time out. Now, granted, I want it nominated. That's not saying I'd want it to win, though. I have a clear idea of two films that I really want to win. One of them is not going to win, but the other one might. I, I like it uh, because the original Avatar was, it was good. It was good. And I, I watched it again recently. I watched it on the, the reissue and I liked it. But this film, I was compelled by the story, the visual element of it. It's a theatrical experience if you see it in either IMAX you know, 3D or Dolby Cinema you know, 3D. It is probably one of the most immersive experiences I've had in the theater in a long time. I really cared about the story and um, it was everything that I like going to the movies um, for, not to have what I would call an out-of-body experience where I forget that I am surrounded by other people. I am in this 
incredible high tech auditorium with the best sound, and I'm everything around me melts, and I'm just in the movie, and that's what I liked about it. I'm uh, I don't like calling it being tra- transported. It's like, but yeah, I, yeah, you could say transported. It was an out of body experience. I was in the movie. I was not in an AMC IMAX. I was in. Pandora with these characters with these people and I was a part of that story is, is what it felt like um, and and that's why I like uh, going to the movies at times if you have a good story everything comes together you can have an out-of-body experience that's the way I thought of it maybe not everybody else did that and I know people on online they they immediately want to rag on James Cameron but the fact is yes avatar is now an existing ip but still this came from one individual it's not based on a comic book it's not based on anything else james cameron thought of this world thought of everything about this the history the mythology and he took a lot from different movies different books that's my whole take on it right there Okay, yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying, Brian. I definitely understand that for sure. What we're going to do now is basically, so if two or three of us all said the same movie, then that's definitely going to move forward. But what we're going to do now is discuss the films where only one of us brought them up, and we'll decide, and then we'll vote if we think that should move forward or not. I have a number of them. (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I have a number of them. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm going to start with you first, Brian. I'm just going to go through uh, your picks. So you were the only one to do, well, you decided to take off Violent Night, which, good. But you were the only one to do Avatar, The Northman, and No. So I was actually really close. I really liked Northman and Nope. I would be happy if either one of them were to move forward, but that's going to be up to Mary Ann. So... Uh, Mary Ann, please share with us your thoughts on Northman and Nope, and like what you think, like what's it called, if you think that that if they would be worthy of Best Picture or not. Okay. Um, well, between the two, I would prefer Nope. I think Jordan Peele is just very creative. He comes up with crazy ideas and crazy things every time, and I'm pretty much always surprised. I mean, this is only his third film, but still, he has a good track record of stuff he makes and nope was just another one of those northman i didn't mind it i wasn't crazy about it i thought it was just kind of it was it there wasn't anything about it that seemed like spectacular or outstanding to me it was just kind of like okay that was that was cool what about the cinematography from jaron blush sure i honestly i i'm not someone who like focuses on cinematography that much i'm sorry but usually <laughs> that's not like a big factor for me but Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was good, I guess. <laughs> I think what, um, I'm sorry, Mary. No, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think what went against it was the fact that they were trying to promote it as like, as like the gladiator. And it's not, it's, it's more hypnotic in, than that. It's more like uh, the green Knight. And the more I watched uh, the green Knight, the more I loved it. And after the fact, it's one of my favorite films of 2021. At the time, I had to see it a few times, but now it's one of my favorites. So it's along those lines. It's very hypnotic. Mm-hmm. It's what I call, this is not a genre yet, so I'll invent it. A new style historical epic. <laughs> a new wave <laughs> historical epic. There you go. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. I yeah, Robert Eggers to me, I've I've been impressed by pretty much all of his movies. And yeah, he to me, like he his movies are just kind of a genre on their own. Kind of like <laughs> other directors like Tarantino mm-hmm. and like Bong Joon Ho. I wouldn't limit their films to just one specific genre. They seem to just kind of ebb and flow through all of them. Like yeah. <laughs> they're with The Lighthouse and the Northman. Uh, those are very like gritty, dark, kind of disturbing movies. But then mm-hmm. there are also moments that are super funny, like laugh out loud funny. At least to me, like yeah. when they're when in the Northman at the beginning of the film when they're all like farting and burping. That was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so it it's an epic historical epic, but it at some parts it doesn't take itself seriously. Right. Yes, yes. So there currently we have nine films that are definitely moving forward. Basically, these films are where two or more, two or all of us uh, voted or had this on a personal list. So definitely moving forward for Best Picture are Banshees, Batman, Everything Everywhere, Fablemans, The Menu, Puss in Boots, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and The Whale. Now we need to decide on that 10th pick. And so, uh, Marianne, you, I think you told me that you uh, did not watch Avatar, right? Correct. Yes, and I really liked Avatar, but I don't love it enough to uh, vote it for Best Picture. So I'm sorry, Brian, but that film is not moving on. Uh, James Cameron. Oh, man. <laughs> James Cameron haters. Got a cinema. I don't hate James Cameron. I'm totally kidding. I'm I'm totally <laughs> kidding. I shared w- with Marianne that John can't be a uh, you know, thing yesterday where there's people where there's all these uh, James Cameron Disney haters on YouTube trying to say that you know, Disney is you know, faking the box office numbers for Avatar. Okay, that's obviously right. not true. That's right. ob- like Disney you wouldn't can't fake the box office numbers, and there's a reason why you can't fake the box office numbers. And he went into that in his video. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, like Disney. Disney does some dumb stuff, but they would never go that far as to make up box office numbers. Yeah, like their neglect of physical media for the 20th Century Fox catalog. That's a dumb thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. That's dumb. But with the Northmen, uh, Mary Ann. So with the, between the Northmen and Nope, Mary Ann, you said that you would rather prefer Nope. Yes. Okay. So. For me, those two films, both of them, again, are really good. Nope impressed me a little bit more. So I would also pick between the two of them. I would also pick Nope. But before we definitely say Nope is moving on, I want to talk about the other films where only one of us picked them. So Marianne, you think that, what's it called? You picked like The Inspection, Till, and The Woman King, which are all... Uh, movies with black-led, basically uh, black-led stories or, you know, mm-hmm. stories about uh, black people. And unfortunately, as much as I love, you know, promoting diversity, unfortunately, not all of them can move on. Right. So between Nope, The Inspection, Till, and The Woman King, which do you think is maybe not necessarily most well-made, but the most culturally significant? Hmm. That's a good question because, um, as you mentioned, the three that I listed, I think are they're a little bit more serious. So I think there's probably a tendency to think it might be like 
not necessarily Oscar bait, but like the fact that the Oscars always seem to nominate pretty serious films. In a sense, I kind of agree with that. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that with this list and thinking, well, you know, Nope is, you know, it's more original. It's not just like some biopic about somebody, which, you know, I'm not trying to say that, you know, Emmett Till's story is not important or anything. I'm just, if it, there's just a lot of things to consider. So Nope is original and it's a different genre than the Oscar usually goes for. So I like that about it. Let's just assume that I think all four movies are, are equally like well-made. So I'm going to lean towards Nope actually, even though I didn't list it myself, but just based on all the different things that I've said, I think picking Nope to move forward is totally fine with me. And I'm, if you want me to make cases for the other ones, I can, but I, I'm okay with Nope moving forward. I might have you do that actually, but first, Brian, <laughs> have you seen Till the Woman King or the Inspection? I have the Woman King on disc. I wanted to see it in the theater. I haven't played the uh, 4K disc yet because there's so many others that I got for the holidays that I'm catching up on, but I need to watch that. Till I wanted to see, I was a bit uh, I was a bit leery about it just because based on the trailers, it looked almost and 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 and, and, and uh, you've seen it Marianne, so you could let me know. Mm-hmm. To me it almost looked like a, a, a made-for-television kind of story about Till, whereas opposed to, you know, if Spike Lee had made it. I'm a big Spike Lee fan. And, I mean, Malcolm X is one of my favorite films of all time. And I think it's one of the top ten best historical epics of all time. Uh, but I could be wrong. I haven't seen it. I want to see it, and I will see it. So I really can't judge. Inspection, you're going to hate me for this. I haven't seen it. I wasn't even aware of it. So, oh no, I don't hate anybody for not seeing movies. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to see it. It got a lot of uh, independent spirit award uh, nominations, so that's how I kind of heard about it. It played for theaters here in Phoenix for like two weeks, maybe, but it was like you know, one AMC theater, so, right? Um, and it's like unfortunate where we're at in Arizona, where we live, there's not a big art house area here. I mean, you do have. Harkins uh, Fashion Square, where Camel View is at now. Yeah. But yeah. Um, other than that, you know, there's there's no, like, an art house vibe the way Chicago or New York or even L.A. has. Yeah, exactly. So, we have to wait for all these to come on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the same in Virginia, where there's, like, there's a couple of art house theaters, but they're all, like, such a long drive away from where I live. Like, yeah two, three hours. The inspection did come to one theater that was like an hour drive away from me. However, oh. it came out during the weekends where I was extremely busy, so I couldn't go see it, unfortunately. Sure. I do want to. I heard nothing but great things about Jeremy Pope, but mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it, unfortunately. Yeah. So it looks like Nope is still like moving forward, but first... Yay! But first, I want to ask you guys, uh, have you guys seen, uh, so I think beforehand we talked about RRR and you got, and women talking and you guys haven't seen that. Correct. I haven't seen Banshees either, so, and I need to see Banshees. I, okay. I, have, I have not seen that yet. Well, Banshees is moving forward because both Marianne and I voted for it. Cha-Cha Real Smooth and Decision to Leave. Have either one of you uh, seen that? And if you have, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, so, so, they made a, so they made a movie about the cha-cha slide? <laughs> is that kind what, of? 
It's, <laughs> Seriously? I was only kidding. Is that what it no, is? I, I know you're kidding, but there's this guy who's like 24, 25 years old named Cooper Rafe. He wrote, directed, produced, and starred in this movie for Apple TV+. And it's called A Cha-Cha Real Smooth. And the fact that he did that and he's only 25 is insane to me. But basically, he plays this guy who is just like kind of – he's graduated college and he's just working these dead-end jobs. And then he goes – he volunteers to uh, DJ at this kid's bar mitzvah. And while the cha-cha slide is playing, he sees uh, Dakota Johnson's character – and uh, Dakota Johnson has an autistic daughter who is there. That's why they're at the bar mitzvah. Basically, the this kid, and played by Cooper Rafe, and the young mom, Dakota Johnson's character, basically they start to have like a little affair. And how they meet is during the cha-cha real smooth, you know, part of the song. And that's why the title of the movie is called Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Hmm. I mean, 25, that's how old Orson Welles was when he made Citizen Kane. So, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But but nowadays, like, you know, like, it's a lot harder. I feel like it's a lot harder to, like, get a film made at that age. So I think it's really – Cooper Rafe really impressed me with – this isn't his first movie he's made, uh, which is even more insane, but he really impressed me with this one. Yeah. And Marianne, you said you haven't seen this or Decision to Leave. That's correct. What about you, Brian? Have you seen Decision to Leave? I have not. Uh, okay. I've heard of it, though, and uh, I think I will check it out. Yeah, yeah. Decision to Leave is the latest film from Korean director Park Chan-wook. And yes, I, yes, 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 yes. It, I haven't seen it, though, but I like him. So basically, our 10 picks now. It looks like, nope, out of, out of all the films you mentioned, where only one of us put it on, like Cha-Cha, Decision to Leave, like, you know, those you haven't seen. And, like, movies like Till and The Woman King, you know, were, like, very good. But it seems like Nope is the preferred one. So our mm-hmm. ten picks for Best Picture are Banshees of Inisherin, The Batman, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans. I'm, I'm not reading too fast for you guys, right? No, you're fine. No. Nope. Okay. So uh, Fablemans, The Menu which I really did not like that movie, but since both you, Marianne, and you, Brian, uh, you seem to like it and put it on there, then, you know, that one will be nominated going forward. Uh, um, no one again? I'm sorry, what one again? The Menu. Okay, okay, yeah. Which which I saw, and I really did not like it. But it's still moving forward because you guys picked it. I'm sorry you didn't like it. Fair yeah. enough. I wanted to. I wanted to like it, but it was just so boring. Mm, I never heard that about it. Oh. I, Personal I, taste. I, Literally. I took, <laughs> I, I took Harrison to see it because he's interested. In, that's my older son. He's into um, suspense and horror. And he was, I mean, for a, a, a soon-to-be 11-year-old, he totally dug it and was, like, into it. And he keeps on now telling me about stories he wants to tell about uh, that are similar to the menu now. So I'm like... I mean, I did not expect that one course to happen. And I don't want to give spoilers away if you haven't seen it. But uh, the one course with the one sous chef, that's (laughs) that's when, uh, you know, because I thought it was going to be kind of boring. And that's when I woke up. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Holy shit. Here we go. Excuse my language. <laughs> uh, uh, can I swear in here? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, I was just like, oh, now, now we're in for a ride. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I personally, I was able to see most of the meals coming, like, without spoiling anything. I was like, oh, this is probably going to happen. And then it did happen. And then I was like, oh, and then, you know, this character's going to do this. And then they did do that. So, I don't know, maybe my brain is weird, but, like, I saw I saw most of the movie coming. There was very few times where I was, like, genuinely surprised by the movie. Most of it I saw coming, like, a mile away. Okay. So yeah, for main- me, it wasn't the um, – I know we're trying to probably go to the next topic, but um, I'll just put in a little bit. Um, for me, it wasn't, like, the twist or the story specifically, but um, I st- – what I really liked was, um, for me, I saw it as like an allegory or like a metaphor for like filmmaking in general. Ooh, and good take. I didn't think about that. Just because like, I don't know if it was just because like I am a movie person and so I'm always like looking at movie related things, but it seemed to me like um, Nicholas Holt's character was like that over obsessive film fanboy who's like, oh my God, I can make the best film ever. And this guy's amazing or whatever. And then it's like, he does it himself and he realizes how hard it is to actually do it. And the, the critic Janet McTeer's character, who was the critic, I was like, okay, this could totally be just like a film critic or something. So I kept like making my own connections to film related stuff. So that enhanced it for me, but I understand that that probably is not the case for everybody. I get that. But to me, it it was just, a subtle attack on all these uh, wannabe, pretentious, snobby people, as is what, mm-hmm. is what I thought it was. I didn't expect the whole everybody knew that they were going to die aspect of it, with the exception of Anna's character. Uh, so, I mean, he, her, I, I forgot every character's name in the film. Margot. Uh, but, you know, like, uh, the, the guy who brought her there, uh, he knew that they were going there to die. Everybody else knew they were going there to die, although they didn't believe it. Uh, s- some of those people in in real life, I do have issues with, oh, my gosh, do you taste the truffle with the, uh, with that hint of mint coming out? And, and it was a nice attack on what <laughs> Anthony Bourdain once called these pretentious people who are into food. It's like he once said that he eats something, he's just like, it's good or it's bad. Not like, oh, that hint of mint that you have in there mixed with the tartness of the orange and, you know, that stuff. And uh, so (laughs) it was kind of a subtle, to me, black comedy on these uh, pretentious individuals. And this guy who used to enjoy making food and now he's sick, which is why he let her go, because he just found somebody there who appreciated the joys of a simple greasy cheeseburger. Right, right. And uh, he found the joy again. So, you know, but I get it why other people have issue with it. So, totally. I did. I did actually. Oh, well, first of all, I have to apologize to any viewer. I, we did say that there was going to be no spoilers in it. We just spoiled the menu. So I we just spoiled the menu. Sorry. Hey, that was in the trailer, though, if you think about it. Yes, yeah. I do. But before I saw the movie, I did read an article where it was dissecting the menu and like it was talking about how it's like uh you know an allegory for like filmmaking and all that stuff. So I did get that, Marianne. And but I also get your perspective, Brian. Like I understand what the movie's trying to say. I just wasn't that engaged with it person. Sure. And I wish I was. I wish I could have liked it more because I besides you guys, I have other friends and people I follow on Letterboxd who are like, 
this movie's amazing. Nine out of ten masterpiece. You know all that stuff. And I, I wouldn't I, go that far as to call it a masterpiece, but it, it, I, I found it very entertaining and suspenseful and just jaw dropping. But I wouldn't call it a masterpiece. I think yeah. Whale's a masterpiece. I think The Fablemans is a masterpiece. But I wouldn't call that uh, a masterpiece. But it's an enjoyable film. It's an enjoyable, entertaining. I, I, I mean, if I was a critic who, who judge things from zero to four stars. I'd give it four stars. Okay. All right. So for best picture, we have, so yeah, the menu, Fablemans, everything, Batman, Banshees, and then Nope. And then mm-hmm. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, <laughs> Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and The Whale. Okay. Between those 10, what do you guys think should win? Like if you, if you were in charge of the Oscars, uh, Marianne, let's start with you. I'm going to go with everything, everywhere, all at once. Brian? What I think should win is everything, everywhere, all at once. What I think will win, and I have no issues with, is uh, The Fablemans. So you're saying that after the Golden Globes won uh, Best Drama Film, right? Yes. Or they might split it and give Spielberg director and... Because they've been doing that a lot lately, and I have. Oh, you love when they do that, Brian. Oh yeah, Um, uh, I'm giving um, like Spielberg best director and Banshees for best picture. I haven't seen Banshees yet, so I don't want to rag on it. I just, uh, I, I, uh, but I, and I plan on seeing it. I plan on seeing it. They could do that, but everything, everywhere, all at once, in my opinion, should win. It's a three-way tie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I would also vote to win Best Picture if I were in charge of the Oscars. So nice. in our per- on our personal Oscar ballot, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once wins Best Picture. Congratulations to Daniels. Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now we're going to move on, on to Best Director. So I'm going to go first this time. My personal, if I were in charge of the Oscars... My personal five picks for a director are Todd Field for Tar, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, Park Chan-wook, Decision to Leave, and Sarah Polly for Women Talking. Okay, cool, cool. How many for Best Director? Is it five or six? Five. I think you gave six. I did five. I did Park Chan. It's because uh, Daniel. Oh yeah. Two oh, oh yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Forget me. <laughs> Technically, it is six directors because the Daniels duo. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, Brian. Yeah. Uh, what are your uh, five picks for director? Oh, I almost agree with you, but I didn't see um, Decision to Lead, so I didn't see that one yet. But, or uh, Women Talking. Yeah, or Women Talking, although. I'm going to see it, especially since her and Francis Ford Coppola d- did a discussion together in Vanity Fair. So uh, I think it was Vanity Fair. But anyways, I would say the uh, I'd say the Daniels for Everything Everywhere, Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar. I want to say James Cameron for Avatar, but since I only get five, I'm sort of conflicted here. McDonough, he will get nominated for... Uh, that's his name, right? For Banshees? Yes. I, I haven't seen his stuff, so based on this conversation, I just ordered in Bruges, so thank you Enablers for doing that, Colton. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I would say he would get nominated, but this is what who I would nominate, right? 
Yes. Who who do you want? I'd say Matt Reeves for the Batman. Good pick. Good pick. Um, and that's five. Is it five? James Cameron, Todd Fields, the Daniels, Matt Reeves, and Steven Spielberg. All right, take James Cameron off. He won already. Take him off and put, I want a female director in there, and I want a female director of color. Also, because I love, I haven't seen The Woman King yet, but I loved Love and Basketball. Uh, Gina by the Wood for The Woman King. Okay, all right. Wow. So you're going to, you're going to pick director whose film you haven't seen. That's interesting. But I know of her work. I love Love and Basketball. All right. So, yeah. And, okay. Uh, all right. All right. Okay, I I understand that. I respect that. So you you guys might have noticed that I did not put. I was the only one did not that did not put the Fablements in for best picture or director. And that's not because I dislike the film. I really like the Fablements. I just happen to like these other movies a little bit more. But I'm not upset with like the Fablements moving on. And I'm very happy for Spielberg that you know he's receiving some success for the Fablements. Uh, but, you know, just in case any of you guys are wondering, why don't you have the Fablemans on there? Do you hate it? No, I don't hate it. <laughs> it just, it was like my number, like 20th favorite film or something like that. You know, there were a lot <laughs> of good films I saw last year. That's so, good. Marianne, what are your five picks? Um, I'm going to preface this list because it's a little different, I think, than you guys. Um, I have two that is common to both of you, but I want to just preface it by saying what I took into consideration was a balance of styles. I'll explain that. It'd probably make more sense when I actually like say who they are, but I was trying to think of like what the movie itself was and if it was like very consistent throughout or if there had to be a balance of tones. I considered the previous work of directors, what their vision was, and if it made you take notice or made me take notice of their work. So my picks are the Daniels. Um, the second one, I actually picked uh, Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. I might have mispronounced his name. Um, I also picked Gina, uh, Prince. It's by the wood. That Thank you, Brian, for saying I didn't know how to pronounce uh, I thought it was just by the wood, but by the wood. And well, then yeah, last... You're probably right. I've always said by the wood. So. Oh, okay. And then the last one, Steven Spielberg. So I guess um, Kaczynski and Ostland are kind of the out there picks. And so like, I picked Kaczynski because I thought Top Gun Maverick, like it, uh, talking about the balance thing, was there's the whole action scenes and the plane stuff and the flying compared to like the intense scenes of like, you know, Tom Cruise yelling at Miles Teller or whatever. And that's like two different things that you have to, he had to deal with when he was directing. It wasn't just, you know, constant talking or just constant plane showing off flight stuff. Sorry. <laughs> that was not very articulate. And then for um, Ruben Ostland, it was similar. I don't know um, who's seen Triangle of Sadness here, but, um, I, and that was like, probably my 11th pick for best picture. I ended up not picking it, but that's a movie where there's a lot of tones going on. There's a lot of comedy, but there's also, there's a shipwreck in it and there's a lot of drama in it. And I thought the balance of that was really good. And it made me take notice. I haven't seen any other of his work, so I want to see more of his movies now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm surprised I was Kaczynski, but I, I agree with you, especially with Top Gun Maverick. I mean, people who, I know people who haven't seen it and they're like, I'm not going to see it. It's a military recruitment film. <laughs> I could say maybe with the original Top Gun, yeah. But in this one, there is much more of a story in this one other than Maverick being the hotshot pilot who has to learn to work in a team and uh, 
uh-huh. falling in love with his beautiful instructor and a kick-ass soundtrack and these cool flighting uh, flight scenes. This yeah. one had much more of a story. There was much more conflict here. There was yeah. much more stuff about, I don't want these kids to die. And also, right. I need to humble these kids because these kids were like me. When I started out, I'm the best, I'm the best, and I need to find a way to humble these kids. Right. Um, right. And and the scene with him and Ice, and I always tell people, earned tears in that one. That wasn't trying to deliberately milk you for emotion. The, I mean, those tears were earned when you watched that scene. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. I'm getting goosebumps now just even talking about it. And, and the fact that they established that these two, at the end of the first Top Gun, wound up being very close. <laughs> it, it got me. It 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 really got me. And you have to be able to balance the big spectacle with those personal touches like that. And and uh, so I mean, bravo on you bringing him up. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I love I love Top Gun Maverick like so much, but I didn't put him in because I don't really see it so much as like. A Joseph Kaczynski film, I see it more as like a Tom Cruise film, and I sure. I know that that might be a really dumb reason why to not put in Kaczynski, but like I don't know, oh, I, I saw it more as like a Tom Cruise vehicle rather than oh, this is a Joseph Kaczynski directed you know film. I could yeah, see. Yeah, I that. think that's very fair. I could see that. I mean, unlike when Tom Cruise was first starting out, him and Born on the Fourth of July, that's obviously an Oliver Stone film. You know, that's obviously right. Oliver Stone. It's got Oliver Stone written all over it but yeah i mean this and the mission impossible films those are like you said tom tom cruise vehicles so i could also see it in, in that aspect as well there's a notable difference between joseph kaczynski when he works with tom cruise and joseph kaczynski when he doesn't work with tom cruise like his visual style is a lot less distinct and good basically when he's not working with Tom Cruise and I don't mean to insult him because I don't think he's a bad director, but I'm just saying that there's a notable difference. Sure. You could almost say that the style of Top Gun Maverick is very similar to Mission Impossible Fallout. And that was directed by Christopher uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Yes. Yes. Uh, But yet you, you could, you could almost say that, you know, the two films are interchangeable. In fact, for a second there, I thought Macquarie directed Top Gun Maverick. Well, he did write it. He was one of the yeah. he, he was one of the screenwriters. But we have moving forward four out of the five. So the only one where all of us uh, voted for it or put it in was the Daniels, uh, oh. and then Gina Prince Bywood. You guys put her in, so she's moving forward. Steven Spielberg's moving forward. Todd Field's going to move forward. But that fifth pick, we all just spoke very kindly for the most part about Joseph Kaczynski, but how comfortable are you guys putting him over like Ruben Osland or Matt Reeves or McDonough? Uh, No, because I'm I'm sorry, man. You go ahead. Oh, I just said good question. That was it. (laughs) I was going to say, I think uh, Matt Reeves accomplished a lot more in The Batman. Obviously... You're talking about style. True. I mean, that's a Matt Reeves film. I mean, uh, because it's even different from the DCEU stuff, like Black Adam. That's a Matt Reeves. That's Matt Reeves' vision of Batman in the same way the Dark Knight trilogy is Christopher Nolan's vision of Batman. Right. 
So, yeah, that's a Matt Reeves film. Uh, so I think Reeves accomplished a lot more. Again, I haven't seen, I mean, Banshees yet, but based on the buzz, I think, you know, we can go either way. Dunnup. Uh, Martin. Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. Uh, either he or Reeve should move forward. I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Marianne, I know you put uh, Joseph Kaczynski on, but how would you feel about replacing Kaczynski with McDonough? Uh, that's fine with me. Um, the only reason I hesitated to put him in my top five was because I feel like that is like a, it's distinctly his film, but I feel like his are more because of like the screenplays and not necessarily like directing style, but that could just be because I haven't seen all of his work, but I felt like if he had written the script, but someone else had directed, it still could have been like pretty good. Whereas I guess that's what, well, that's just why I didn't put him in my top five, but I have no problem with him moving forward. No. Well, to me, directing is more than just like visual style. Like to me, directing is like how like pacing is all depends on the directing and editing. Pace is very important in a movie, and you have to have really good directing and editing in order to have a well-paced movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mark McDonough uh, succeeded in making Banshees of Inisherin very well-paced, despite the very limited story. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, Brian, so it's up to you. I'm fine with either Reeves or McDonough. So it's up to you, uh, Brian. Who do you... Yeah. Um, To talk about McDonough, I think the reason why I shied away from his movies so much is that, I mean, uh, first off, to be a great director, you need great collaborators, of course. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, people like Scorsese and Spielberg, they they pick collaborators that um, are in line with their thinking. So in in the movies that I like, uh, what caught my attention with movies and somebody like Martin Scorsese and a Stanley Kubrick back when I was in high school was the editing, how all of a sudden things that I was seeing in music videos were being done in narrative film. And this is when MTV in the late 80s and all that, I'm totally dating myself here, but, you know, these quick cuts and cuts to slow motion just for effect, you know, not because, you know, somebody is about to make that basket at the last you know, second like in the movie Hoosier cut t- to slow motion because a character is feeling suspicious about somebody and you're seeing that from his point of view and so I liked the films where the editing was a part of the story it was a character you know, uh, where the way the camera is moving you, you uh, a, a moving camera it, it, I, I was never you know, somebody for master shot close up close-up, master shot, close-up, close-up. To me, that's almost just like following the screenplay, you know. But uh, that's why I shied away from McDonough's films. Now, I could be wrong. I will go along with the majority vote here. So McDonough will move along. That's great because, honestly, like, the way you are describing, I I agree with you, is that I also am a big fan of, like, when they're able to use a camera in more inventive ways than just, you know, like, back and forth. But... I was just so impressed by uh, McDonough's work that I vote for him moving forward. And Marianne says she's fine with that. So our five picks for uh, director are Todd Field for Tar, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere, Martin McDonough, The Banshees, Gina Prince by the Wood or Bythewood for Woman King, and I'm gonna start with Bythewood. Okay, all right, gotcha. 
And last but not least, very obscure, uh, no one who knows who he really is, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. <laughs> that low-budget indie filmmaker, Steven Spielberg. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> who do you guys think should win, director? I'll go first. The Daniels. Marianne? The Daniels. I I would agree. I wasn't, like, I, I love everything, everyone, all at once. I wasn't in love with the directing specifically with Everything Everywhere as much as, like, other movies I've seen. But I'm not, like, mad about it. Personally, if I were to vote for director, I would do probably Todd, excuse me, Todd Fields. But the Daniels are geniuses. They're super talented. I love their movie. And I'm content with uh, the Daniels winning director. Cool. Actually, I think, actually, I think Martin Scorsese should be nominated. He should be nominated every year, even if he doesn't release anything. It should be <laughs> That's kind of like Meryl Streep being nominated for, like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> she did a movie this year? What? <laughs> exactly. Oh, she was only in for 10 seconds, and she's nominated for Best Actress. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you, Harvey Weinstein, for Judy Dench. Whoops. Oh, no. oh gosh. Yeah, we are, speaking of that evil monster. Some of you might have noticed the lack of She Said on here, and that's because I have not seen She Said yet. Um, I will watch it one of these days, but I just haven't gotten the opportunity to see it yet. I'm sad that She Said isn't being supported more at the box office, but I'm very happy that that monster, Harvey Ugstein, is behind bars. See, I, I, honestly, I don't want to deviate too much here, but I guess this does coincide with Oscars. Even prior to to knowing what he did behind closed doors with the female actors, I never liked the guy because I knew his bullying tactics with the Oscar judges and how he would pay off people in magazines. I mean, Shakespeare in Love is a prime example of an Oscar campaign. And yep. uh, I mean... Because all of a sudden, people who were praising Saving Private Ryan were going back on their reviews for Saving Private Ryan and talking about, oh, well, Saving Private Ryan is all in its first 30 minutes. And then you find out Harvey <laughs> Weinstein paid all these people in Vanity Fair and Hollywood Reporter, all these influential critics to say that, except for maybe a Roger Ebert who could not be bought, but... All of a sudden, people started saying this. Saving Private Ryan is all in its, all in its 30 minutes, but Shakespeare in Love is, you know, throughout the whole film. And I'm like, I think people have forgotten. <laughs> people have forgotten Shakespeare in Love swept the Oscars that year. I think people yeah. now still remember more of Saving Private Ryan than they do Shakespeare in Love. I mean, I, I, I saw it one time. I was happy I saw it, and I've never cared to see it again. So, but uh, but I knew of his ways, like, with Chicago, the same thing. I mean, the late t- at the beginning part of the teens, the King's Speech. Do you remember <laughs> the artist swept the Oscars? The artist that sat yeah. on the film. I haven't seen it, but really, it won for best director. It won for best picture and best actor. Uh, best actor and a lot. <laughs> never to be heard from again. I guess that's yeah. all Weinstein. That's all Weinstein and his. Oscar campaigning. I mean, I liked the King's Speech uh, the first few times I've seen it, and I, I haven't seen it, uh, uh, you know, since. You know, probably because I'm pissed off that the director for Cats, but that's another story. Oh yeah, yeah. Tom Hooper, he directed King's Speech and Cats. Oh, and yeah. Les Mis. 
I I like Les Mis to a certain extent, although, again, I want it to be real. I wanted, I don't want it to be fantastical. So I'm going to have Anne Hathaway you know, sit down and sing I Dreamed a Dream and go above her range while she's just you know, sitting down singing totally live. Uh, right, right. <laughs> that's cruel. If you're a yeah, singer. Yeah, that, yeah, that's just, well, that's a whole other story. But now <laughs> I want to, speaking of Anne Hathaway, though, supporting actress. So where is she won for Les Mis? So supporting actress, uh, I'm going to go first again with my personal five picks. They are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Yes. Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisherin, Stephanie Hsu, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Sheila McCarthy for Women Talking. And Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, where she should be. She's not the lead in the Fablemans. She's clearly a supporting character. <laughs> yes. yes, I agree. So, Brian, what are your five picks? Oh my god, I haven't been paying attention to supporting actress this year. Look, dumbass me. So, hold on, let me get my list up here. Okay, so while you get your list up, Marianne, why don't you share yours? Okay, sure. Um, mine is Angela Bassett, also, Carrie Condon, Stephanie Shu. And then um, my last two, um, Hong Chao for the the whale, and I'm gonna go with Dolly De Leon in Triangle of Sadness because um, part of what I used to consider who to pick here was, um, like I said with the director, even though I didn't really talk about anybody specific, is did it make me take notice? And I had never heard of Dolly De Leon before the movie, and after I came out of the movie, I wanted to see more from her. I thought she was great, and it was a very interesting role interesting performance and um it's memorable so i think that's uh she's worth consideration i was so close to putting hong chow and dolly delay on on my list because i was also like i was so impressed by dolly delay on and triangle and mm-hmm. of sadness and hong chow and the whale is great but yeah the reason why i decided to go for sheila mccarthy and michelle williams well sheila mccarthy no one knows who she is. No one's talking about her. But yeah. she impressed me in Women Talking even more so than like Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley did. And I thought she was amazing. And I really liked Michelle Williams in The Fablelands a lot. And I thought about it. I thought, should I put Michelle Williams over Dolly DeLeon or Hong Chao? I guess I will. Like she's sure. like one, she's like one percent better to me than Hong Chao and Dolly DeLeon. Like, just barely better. Right, right. All right, Brian, do you have your list ready yet? Yes. Uh, Hong Chao, to be honest, I saw her in Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice, and I didn't see her since. And then the two films I saw her in this year, The Menu, and especially The Whale, she blew me away. And I'm just like, okay, Hong Chao, I want her in there. Stephanie, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. Stephanie Sue, is that how you pronounce it? For I honestly don't know. Okay. I've, heard, I've been hearing them pronounce it as Sue. I don't think I've heard her okay. pronounce it, but I've heard Stephanie Sue for um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Forgive me. Honestly, I'm going to go against uh, the grain here and say Sigourney Weaver for Avatar. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Yes, <She> terrible. <laughs> she was. She awful. had to play a. T- she had to play a teenager. Come on. And she was terrible at it. She was so bad. <laughs> oh, she was. How, how was she terrible? She I, was I, so bad. I bought it. 
I bought fight, it. Fight, fight, fight. I bought it. <laughs> I, like, the whole time her character talked, I was like, oh, that's Sigourney Weaver doing a terrible imitation of a teenager. I was so uncanny and so bad. <laughs> hey, I bought it, okay? So I bought it. She's on my list. Okay, who are your other two picks? <laughs> Here, let's go Siskel and Ebert on this now. Um, okay, uh, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett for... Wakanda. Yeah, Wakanda. Honestly, I was totally impressed with her p- performance in there. I agree as well with Sarah Shahai for Black Adam. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, I agree <laughs> with um, um, Michelle Williams. Wow, okay, all right. So we already, we have five. We have five, so that's that's great. So we have. Uh, <laughs> he's shocked. He's you're still shocked by Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So we 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 definitely have five. <laughs> yeah. No. Well. No. 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 I mean, like five that like at least two of us had in common. Right. And where I'm going to ignore the fact that you said Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm I'm totally kidding. Um, well, I'm not kidding about I'm not kidding about disliking your performance. I'm kidding about you know making fun of you for putting it. Yeah, in. Okay, <laughs> we have to get into a Siskel and Ebert argument like they did over Full Metal Jacket and Benji the Hunted back in the day. <laughs> oh goodness! All right. Well, we have Angela Bassett, we have Hong Chow, Carrie Condon, Stephanie Hsu, and Michelle Williams. Who do you guys think should win? Angela Bassett. Marianne? Mm, I am really torn between Angela Bassett and Stephanie Shu. I really am. So am I, but I gave it to Angela because I don't think she's gotten one before, and I think she should, finally. Mm, okay. You know what? I'm going to go. I'll go with Stephanie Shu. Yes! Yes! I also picked <laughs> Stephanie Hsu. Yes! Sorry, Brian. <laughs> well, she was nominated for What's Love Got to Do With It, but that was the year that I think they gave it to Holly Hunter for the piano. Mm, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I remember uh yes, I remember hearing about that. And I've I've seen both movies. Uh What's Love Got to Do With It is Car- Angela Bassett carries that movie, frankly, because I don't think the writing and directing is that good in it. Uh, story is obviously very important, you know, telling the story of Tina Turner, but it's mainly just the Angela Bassett show. And, you know, it's great, but the piano is, like, on a no whole other level to me. It's not as good. Piano's not as good as, like, Power of the Dog to me, and those are the only two Jane Campion movies I've seen, but, like, Holly Hunter and the Piano's, like, wow. Yeah. That was. However, I will say it wasn't better than Schindler's List because... The same no. thing around Oscar time, this Merrimax film started to be all these people who played Schindler's List started going towards the piano all of a sudden and calling Schindler's List fake. And then after Schindler's List swept the Oscars, they went back to their love of Schindler's List. Peter no, 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 no. Schindler's uh, List is one of the best movies of all time. It's yeah, like Spielberg's, like one of his like best movies he's ever made. Like yeah. piano doesn't even come piano's great, but it doesn't even come close to Schindler's List. Right. But Stephanie Hsu wins. I love you know Angela. I, I got no problem. She wins. <laughs> I've got no problem with Stephanie Hsu winning. No problem at all. I thought she was great. Uh, I like the fight with the dildos. So you know. <laughs> oh gosh, that 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 scene in the theater, like that, and the butt plug scene, got the most <laughs> like, reactions from <laughs> in the theater. Like, oh <laughs> my god. 
And that's a movie I had an out-of-body experience with. What I was talking about with Avatar, out-of-body experience. Uh, I went in totally cold, and I was you know sucked into the movie screen. You know, I was there. I was in the movie with with uh, everything that was going on. So mm-hmm. there you go. Well, good. Well, congratulations, Stephanie Hsu. You're not going to get nominated at the actual Oscars, but we would nominate you and give you the award if we were in charge of the Oscars. Unfortunately, you're not going to get in because everybody's talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis was good, but not Oscar. Yeah, I didn't think about that, though. You know, I I didn't think about uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, though. But uh, yeah, she was good. Um, But I think. uh, uh, Stephanie was so much better, though. It's kind of like when the Oscars nominated Judy Dench for Belfast when Katrina Balfe was so much better. Yeah. And Belfast was one of my favorite films of, of 21, actually. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. At least someone here did. <laughs> you didn't like it? No, I did not like it at all. I, My I boyfriend it. hated it. Who hated it? My boyfriend. Oh, oh. yeah, no, he, I did he, not. He couldn't yeah. stand it. As soon as it started, practically, he was like, I hate this movie. <laughs> Why? I just what? found it. I found he it, thought it was so boring. Video. You found it Your boring? Boyfriend found it no, boring? my boyfriend did. I had no problem with it. I liked the movie. My boyfriend found it extremely boring. Because, like, at the beginning, there's, like, the, the car bomb thing. And then he's, like, it never got interesting after that. But anyway, it doesn't matter what my... Tell him to see... Okay, it's in the tradition... Same thing with the Fablemans. In, in the tradition of Francois Truffaut's The 400 Blows. The 400 Blows is great, though. And but I didn't get any Truffaut vibes in Belfast. Okay. And well, anyway, out, of, so, out of the two Brana films that he did that year, between Belfast and Death on the Nile, Belfast wins. I haven't seen Death in Denial, and I'm not going to. Well, okay, so, but going back to Everything Everywhere All at Once, supporting actor. If we do not all have the same pick, then I am going to be absolutely furious. Okay. (laughs) You go with your nominees. Marianne, you go first. Okay. Um, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inisherin. James Hong for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Barry Keegan, Keoghan, I have heard different ways. Barry for um, Banshees of Inishirin. Kehi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, thank goodness. And this is an, a different one. I'm going with Mark Rylance in uh, Bones and All because it was a very, very different performance that I've seen from him. It was like a very oddball character, and he kind of gave me the creeps, which I think he was supposed to. So I'm going with Mark. I heard opinion. very good things about Bones and All, and Mark Rylance is like perfectly creepy in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But I haven't seen it. I actually did get the opportunity to watch it, but it, I decided to skip on it in favor of Fab- in favor of Fablemans. Sure. I'm surprised you nominated two guys from not just Banshees, but also uh, Everything Everywhere. By the way, thank you for uh, nominating Key. Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> But well, James Hong too, huh? Yeah, I just I I think when I was making the list, I was trying to just go through the movies that I liked the best and think about the performances. And you know, James Hong left an impression on me. I remember his performance afterward, just like I did with Kei Kwan. I sorry, I'm sorry, did I mispronounce his name? I I'm I'm trying to remember how I think it's Kei Kwan. Okay, I apologize. Uh, but I'm the point sure. was, I remembered both of them afterwards, so that's why I went with both of them. 
All right, uh, Brian, what about you? Who are your five supporting actor picks? Uh, honestly, I don't care about the other four, so I didn't pick the other four. Kehi Kwan, that's all I care about. That's all I care <laughs> about. I don't care about anybody else. Kehi Kwan, Kehi Kwan, Kehi Kwan, Kehi Kwan. Nobody else deserves to be nominated. He should be the only nominee. Wow. <laughs> as fantastic as he is, I did want to acknowledge four other people. So, okay, I will acknowledge four other people. Okay. Um let me go through my list here. Um honestly, I would say Colin Farrell for the Batman. Oh, okay. okay. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. You no. Know, um again, I didn't know it was Colin Farrell. Good makeup job, but even the accent, everything about it. Yeah. It's just I have to keep on reminding myself, that's Colin Farrell? Oh my gosh, yeah, that's Colin Farrell. So that yeah, was my I mom. Agree. That was my mom too. When my mom saw the Batman, and I told her that that was Colin Farrell, she was like, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> <laughs> yep, I would. Uh, yep. So I'm gonna take your word on Brendan. I'm gonna take your word on Brendan because uh, I like him anyways, and I'm 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 probably gonna go see Banshees over the next couple of days. Okay. More than likely, I plan on going to see it. So I take your word for it. Put him in there as one of my nominees. So that's you know three. Damn, damn, damn. I need two others for supporting actor. I only cared about... Uh, I'm going to say Miles Teller for Top Gun Maverick. Maybe not a perfect performance, but I bought it. My, and... If Miles Teller wasn't so good in Top Gun Maverick, then personally, I think the whole movie would fall apart. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I need one more, right? I'm trying to think of the other movies I've seen this year. No no Fablemans, guys? Oh, well, well, I... If you're thinking of Paul Dano, I I, I consider him best actor. No, he's not supporting actor. Paul Dano, because the, uh, the main actor is the young kid. Paul Dano right, right. is a, as a supporting actor. Yeah, yeah. Nominating Paul Dano in lead would be like Michelle Williams for lead. It would be dumb. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Did they nominate her at the uh, at the Golden Globe? They've been nominating Michelle Williams for lead everywhere. She was. She's being campaigned that way. Yeah. She's not the lead. It's the kid. Exactly. Thank you. Gilbert Doppelganger. It's 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 a character piece about him. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. No. They've been campaigning Michelle for lead. It's not about her. It's about it's about the kid. Exactly. Thank you. No. 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 All right. Well. Well, I'm going to share my personal five picks for a uh, supporting actor. So, uh, like, like you guys, I also have Paul Dano, Brendan Gleeson, and our Lord and Savior, Kihi Kwan. Yes. But I also have Sterling K. Brown for Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. What's huh. that movie? Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Interesting. Oh, that's that new one? No, no, I, I don't know. Uh, it's like the he's um, a pastor who goes through um, like a scandal and he's trying to get his church back. Ah, okay, I gotta see that. Do you think that's yeah, accurate, Colton? I've seen it, but I, I was trying to narrow it down to very simple. And then my fifth pick is Ben Wishaw for Women Talking. Okay. So we all have in common Paul Dano, Brendan Gleeson, and uh, Kihi Kwan. So we gotta pick the other two. So I'm surprised. I actually didn't guys... pick. I didn't nominate Dano, but that's fine. You you two did, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a majority vote. Technically, technically, right. <laughs> so we have now uh, Sterling K. Brown, uh, Ben Wishaw, James Hong, Barry Kogan, 
Mark Rylance, Colin Farrell, and Miles Teller. This is honestly kind of tough for me. Like, between these, like, all these performances, I mean, well, the ones I've seen at least. Right. All these performances are, like, very good, but I don't know which one is better than the other, honestly. Hmm. Um, I can I can put another vote towards uh, Colin in The Batman. Okay, so Colin Farrell moves forward, but what about that fifth pick? That's very tough for me, because I love Ben Whishaw in Women Talking, but you guys haven't seen Women Talking, so we can't put him right. forward. I, what's it called, uh, Barry Kogan. I almost put him in, but then I was like, I prefer these other performances. Barry Kogan, just like Brendan Gleeson, has been getting nominated everywhere. So I wouldn't be opposed to putting him in, but... I like I like Barry Kogan, and I want to see him in a lot more stuff. I would put a vote in for him, because I, I, I mean, because I've always liked him, and I haven't seen the movie yet, but um, I like Didn't his... Didn't stop you from nominating Brent, uh, Brenton Gleeson, either. <laughs> no, because, I, you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I love his work. I love his work. Yep, so, yep. No, and I'm sure, ba- I'm sure I'm going to enjoy Banshees. Just... All right. Well, that makes things a lot simpler, then. So, we have Paul Dano for The Fablemans, Colin Farrell for The Batman, Brendan Gleeson for... Banshees of Anna Sharon. We have Barry Kogan also for Banshees of Anna Sharon. And we have Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere. And our winner, say it with me now, three, two, Kihi Kwan. Kihi Kwan. <laughs> yes. I think he deserves it. He's been through so much. Everybody knows him as Short Round from Indie. I think with this film, because he's had to be he had to be so many different people. Yeah. In this film, but yet the same, the, the same person, but different variations of this person. Uh, he had to be a romantic lead at one point. He had to be an action yeah. hero at one point. Um, you see so many different facets of what he can do. And I think he finally shakes the little kid playing short round in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom with this film. Yeah. And I want more stuff with him. I liken it to when Tarantino rediscovered Robert Forster for Jackie Brown. I mean, Robert Forster, he was there in the late 60s with Haskell of Wexler's Medium Cool. But throughout the years, he was in low-budget sort of exploitation kind of stuff. And then Jackie Brown, he, he kind of blew up again. And you saw him in a lot more movies right. after that. Um, but I think uh, Kehi Kwan just showed everything that he can do it, it, in this film. And he's so versatile. So yeah. I, I, I want... Him to win, and I want to see him in more th- things again because he, I, he he's just that good. Kihi Kwan's the line of dialogue where his line where he says, "I would have loved just doing laundry and taxes." Oh you, God. That line is literally my favorite line of dialogue in any movie this, of last year. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. Oh, I'm getting uh, goosebumps right now. Just. Thinking of that scene, I'm going to watch it when I'm done with this guy. <laughs> Take out my disc and uh, on my Dolby Atmos system here and <laughs> be like uh, be like it was in uh, the movie theater, except on a 65-inch television. <laughs> well, speaking of everything everywhere again, we're going to move on now to Best Actress. So I'm going to go uh, first this time. Mm-hmm. So we have, I have, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Danielle Deadweiler for Till, 
Regina Hall for Honk, Your, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Tong Wei for Decision to Leave. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere. Now this category for me, the hardest category for me to pick was Supporting Actress, but the second hardest was Lead Actress because there are so many good like Lead Actress performances out there, but I ended up narrowing it down to those five. Okay. So Brian, uh, what about you? Michelle Yeoh. Kate Blanchett, because it's obvious she's going to be nominated because she played a, a famous uh, star. Uh, Naomi Aki, or uh, was that how you pronounce her name for a Whitney Houston story? Or Aki, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the Whitney Houston film, I want to dance with somebody. I mean, it's, I mean, she'll get nominated because she played a. Uh... You know, she's actually on the short list for the Razzie Awards for Is Worst Actors. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I saw the movie and she was, she was really good in it. Well, I mean, the movie itself wasn't amazing, but... Well, sometimes there's a lot of great actors who wind up on the on the Razzie Awards, even for good performances. Sometimes yeah. directors, too. So, yeah. so, so that's, yeah. you know, three. No love for Kiki Palmer? Oh, okay. Thank you. Kiki Palmer Thanks. for Nope. I was going to be an asshole in Olivia Wilde for Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> the lead actress. <laughs> yeah, for lead actress, even though she's not the lead actress. But you know, <laughs> she might as well submit herself. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, she, she brought this on herself. And for best actress, the final one for best actress, I'm going to say Anna Taylor-Joy for the menu because I saw the menu. Hmm, okay, okay, so your picks are Naomi Aki who I don't think will get nominated, actually, because, yes, she is playing Winnie Houston. However, she literally only got nominated at the Golden Globe. Actually, no, not even at the Golden Globes. It's like she hasn't been nominated for anything, has she? She she's, hasn't been nominated really anywhere. So, like, Olivia uh, Coleman and Margot Robbie, as poorly as they're doing, they're getting more nominations than Naomi Aki. So I don't think Naomi Aki. I haven't. I, I haven't seen Babylon, and I want to see it. I know people are shitting on it left and right, uh, <laughs> but take. Uh, but um, put Margot Robbie in um, in place of Naomi, uh, just because you know. I, I again, I like her. I want to see Babylon. People are shitting on it for whatever reason. Uh, it's too long. It's too chaotic, and but that's the kind of film I probably would like. I like Damien Chazelle, and I think he was robbed for First Man. Uh, First Man is probably now my favorite astronaut film. So I want to see Babylon, but now I'm going to have to wait for Disc because somebody I know said you have to see it with on a big, large format screen with Dolby Atmos sound, and that's not being shown that way. <laughs> anywhere because avatar is in all the large format screens right now right right yeah yeah oh that good old avatar <laughs> so, so your picks are Kate blanchett kiki palmer margot robbie anya taylor joy and michelle yo yeah okay and uh last but certainly not least mary ann what are your five picks for lead actor I just want to say I have 15 minutes left before I need to leave. So, um, oh, shit. just prefacing that. Um, so my picks for best actress, um, while I agree with you guys that Michelle Williams should be in supporting, um, because she's being campaigned in lead, I put her there. So don't kill me. I'm sorry. But my picks overall are Viola Davis for The Woman King, Danielle oh. Deadweiler for Till, Mia Goth for Pearl, um, Michelle Williams. For the Fablemans and Michelle Yeoh 
for everything everywhere. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll hurry this up, uh, since you have to go, but we basically have in common, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, some of us or all of us have in common right, Michelle right. Yeoh, uh, Kate Blanchett and, uh, Daniel Deadweiler. So you're the only one that's, uh, put Viola Davis in, uh, Marianne. Uh, but, oh wait, but that's because even though you said Gina Prince by, by the way, for director Brian, you haven't seen a movie. So, uh, but. Yeah. Have you seen Pearl or X? Haven't seen them yet. I want to, uh, and I plan on getting them. Uh, I miss them in the theaters. I'm an A24 geek, but uh, I haven't seen those two. Everybody's telling me I should see them. Uh, Scorsese loved uh, Pearl. Yeah, I hear everybody talking about how great uh, Pearl, Mia Goth is in Pearl, and the only reason why I haven't seen it, again, you know, very strong violent graphic and sexual contents and i don't really want to see movies with that you know anymore well marianne and i for the first time in our lives saw last house on the left this year the original <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah was, I, not I heard even about nearly that as bad as i thought it would be uh yeah i was disappointed actually i where's the the legs being torn off i want to see that i was hyping myself <laughs> up for the Anyway, <laughs> oh my gosh! But now that I saw it, I'm like, I was prepared to puke, and I didn't puke. So, <laughs> so uh, what's it called? So we do have uh, Kiki Palmer, Margot Robbie, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Mia Goth, We Race, and Michelle Williams are supporting. Uh, Margot Robbie, Anya, Kiki, Mia, and Viola. Two of them. Oh, we also have Regina and Regina and Tong. But you guys have no input on those two that I picked because you haven't seen them. But what's, would you, which one of those would you guys like be willing to move forward? Oh, wait, Marianne, have you seen uh, Hunter of Jesus or no? I have. Yes, I have seen that. You have. So <laughs> you will side with me for Regina Hall, right? <laughs> well, uh, what are the other? Well, yeah, I might because I'm trying to think like. I like Regina um, Hall. So, so, so let's move. For, uh, so I like Regina Hall. So Marianne, uh, you what, what's it called? Do you definitely want to move on to Regina Hall, or are there any other like women that you think you know are like could uh, really like be deserving? Um, I'm good with Regina moving forward. Um, it was uh, it's a different performance from the others that we have nominated here. So um, yeah, I think I think that's good. That's fine. All right, we'll move on with Regina Hall. And personally, I want to see more love for Kiki Palmer. Uh, it's, would you guys be comfortable with, like, moving her forward? I mean, Brian, yes. obviously, yes, but Marianne? Sure. Yes. All right, all right. So we have now Kate Blanchett, Daniel Deadweiler, Regina Hall, Kiki Palmer, and Michelle Yeoh. Personally, I would vote for Kate Blanchett to win, but who would you guys pick? Michelle. And Marianne? Michelle, because I haven't seen Tar. Okay, all right. So... Michelle Yeoh wins, and uh, even though I thought that Kate was absolutely amazing, but, uh, you know, I love Michelle as well. So last but not least, lead actor. And we're going to do this really quickly. Lead actor. So, Marianne, you go first. This is a doozy of a category. So um, I, could, I had three that I was pretty sure about, and the other two I kind of had to reach. So Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for Bans Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser, I think, I, I sorry, if I, I know he said it's not Fraser. I don't remember how he said it is, but Brendan Fraser for The Whale, 
Um, Jonathan Majors for Devotion. I don't know if either of you saw that, but I thought he was really good in it. And Jeremy Pope for The Inspection. Okay, nice. Jonathan Majors love. Nice, nice. Uh, I have not seen Devotion. I have not seen Devotion because that came out same weekend as uh, Bones and All and Fablemans, and Mm -hmm. I only had money for one movie, so I chose Fablemans. Uh, Ryan, what about your picks? Okay, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson for Black Adam. Uh, no. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. Um, Brendan for you know, The Whale. Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell uh, for Banshees. I didn't see the movie yet, but I hear he's incredible, and I like Colin, and I I, I like the fact that uh, still doing good work out there. Oh, my God. See, these other two are hard. It's like I know my favorites, and it's like... Tom uh, Cruise? Um, <laughs> No, I would say Robert Pattinson did more in the okay the Batman. Uh, let's put him in. He's not going to get nominated, and I don't expect him to move along. But Robert Pattinson uh, for the Batman. You, I'm you haven't mentioned like Daniel Kaluuya or Ray Fiennes yet. Oh, Ray Fiennes! There you go, Ray Fiennes for the menu. <laughs> yes, Ray Fiennes. I'm starting to suspect Brian that you didn't plan for this beforehand. Hmm. I- <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't know it was going to be this in depth. So that was that. I thought you were just going to tell me the ones I wanted and we were going to go from there. But no, I, <laughs> when you came I, on and said, we're doing it like the Oscars, I'm like, oh, sure. I can't I can't tell you your opinions. I can't tell you what's a like <laughs> and dislike. Yeah, I was just going to come and like give my one choice for each category is what I thought it was. So but OK. All yeah. right. Well, last but not least are my picks. So Austin, I also have Austin Butler. I also have Colin Farrell. I also have Brendan Fraser. But then I have Park Hae-il for Decision to Leave. And okay. finally, Jared Leto. It's Morbin time. Yeah. 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 Hey, I believed him. <laughs> no, my, uh, my actual last pick is Song Kang-ho for Broker. Nice. Mm, okay. okay. So... Yeah. This is tough because we have in common Butler, Colin, and Fraser. But I I have heard great things about Jeremy Pope, so I would be happy with him moving forward. I'd be happy with him too. I like Jeremy Pope. Yes. I did like uh I did like Ray Fines in the menu, even if I didn't like the movie overall. Marianne, would you be comfortable with uh, Ray Fines moving forward or any of the other people? Uh, yeah, Ray Ray Fiennes is fine because I don't think any of us. No offense to who else has been mentioned, but I don't think any of us are going to be picking anybody other than the big three anyway. So, <laughs> all right. And I'm very as as much as I like Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick, I'm very happy that none of us actually nominated him. It was still <laughs> it, it was still Tom Cruise. If he had done something like he did years ago with Born on the Fourth of July, or even in Mag- right, right. Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, he's still playing. Tom Cruise in that movie. So well, yes, yes, I I do agree with you that he was mostly doing the same thing. He he did have a few scenes though where he did do something different, but for the most part, he's just Tom Cruise again. But who would you pick to win? And frankly, I think it's obvious. Who? (laughs) No, you guys. You guys say who you think. uh, I think Brendan. I I say Brendan should win. I have a feeling because Lisa Marie just unexpectedly passed, Austin Butler is going to be a sentimental favorite now. Yeah, he's getting uh, more buzz now. And he won the uh, Golden Globe. 
but well, we know that that was political reasons, probably. But exactly because of what Brendan said about uh, what happened to him, and honestly, I believe it. You know, yeah, believe okay. it. Brendan deserves to win. That was just an incredible performance, and I'm doing all the talking, so you guys talk. Well, I agree with you, Brian, because like I was trying to when I was my sister was asking me about it because she hasn't seen it, but she has been hearing about Brendan in it. And I said, well, the thing that struck me was it didn't feel like it was Brendan Fraser to me. Like, you know, for me, at least, you know, I grew up with him as George of the Jungle and in the Mummy movies. I didn't think about that at all during the movie. It was like, this is a a character. This is some kind of Brendan trying to put on a fat suit or something like this is a character. And that's a really that's a sign of good acting as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was such a beautifully heartbreaking performance. I was, and there's some sensitive people out there on the internet saying that the movie was fat phobic and that's not what uh, overweight people are like. I'm like, well, you're not, he's not playing a representation of overweight people. He's playing somebody who is depressed and is trying to kill himself much in the same way the Nicolas Cage character in leaving Las Vegas was trying to do with alcohol. That's what he's trying to do here. He's this is his way of doing what he wants to do. He's deliberately doing bodily. He knows what he's doing. His nurse is telling him, you need to get help and go to hospital. No, I don't want to go to a hospital. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this is his way of of doing it, unfortunately. But before he does it, he wants to make peace with his daughter. Yep. Well, yes, I agree that uh, Brendan Fraser was was amazing. And he wins since you guys both vote for him. He gets a majority vote. If I, be vote <laughs> if I were to vote, though, I would have given it to Colin Farrell for Banshee's Vanna Sharon. Hmm. Because okay. I recently rewatched both movies, The Whale and Banshee's. And the second time I saw The Whale, I thought that I only saw Brendan Fraser. I couldn't help but only see Brendan Fraser. And, but the second time I saw Banshees, Colin Farrell completely disappeared. I only saw the character. Okay. Hmm. I think so, that's but Brendan wins. So congratulations to uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once for us uh, giving you Best Picture. Also to directors Daniel Kwan, Daniel Shiner, Michelle Yeoh, <laughs> Key Kwan, Stephanie Hsu. And congratulations from us to uh, Brendan Fraser for your imaginary Oscar and hopefully your real Oscar. <laughs> Although it will probably go to Butler or Farrell. But I guarantee you, 50 years from now, we will not be talking about those films. But we'll uh, still I would talking. disagree about I, no, I'm being facetious here. We're going to... I was going to do a joke. I was going to say, but 50 years from now, we're still going to be talking about Morbius. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> Morbius is going to be topping Sight and Sound's list for the greatest <laughs> film ever made. <laughs> speaking well speaking of topping off i think that wraps things up uh brian <laughs> i want to thank you for being on the podcast and marianne as always uh thank you guys so much uh thank you for always sharing your uh interesting lovely thoughts and thank you both for being on the podcast thank you very much hope you have me again absolutely absolutely and i want to thank you all for listening to another episode of my podcast podcast racing I hope you're all doing well and stay safe out there. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Now this is podcast. Racist.